Hello, this is Jane Sigford bringing you Views and Voice Above the Noise, hosted by MASA, Minnesota Association of School Administrators. Today's podcast is with Amy Ernst, Special Education Director in the Buffalo Hanover Montrose Public Schools in Minnesota. As with all other podcasts, several themes have emerged as the conversation occurred. You will hear about the power of being mentored and the need to mentor others. You will hear a reflection about the components of leadership. You'll also hear about Amy's belief in the purpose of special education, how a team of people are working together to make a difference in the lives of students. Another very potent theme was the recurring reference to process skills, that of collaboration, reflection, facilitation of conversation, and empowering others. Let's hear how Amy became a special ed director. When I think about why did I get into this work, I really just wanted to be a teacher. just wanted to be a special ed teacher. I had to strongly consider whether or not I would even explore a leadership position. I was working at the time in Monticello, special ed teacher in the Sherburn Northern Wright Co-op. What area were you teaching in special ed? Learning disabilities, but as everything kind of crosses over too. But that was my primary area. A coordinator position came open in the co-op. It was something I kind of had considered. Just reached out to Nan Records about and said, hey, this is something I'm thinking about. I said, well, let's explore it. I hadn't started my admin license or anything like that, but she gave me an opportunity to process. I really just wanted to learn more about it. It was just was something that was kind of in the back of my mind, I guess. Actually, in my very first year of teaching, I was in Elk River. Linda Ayers was the coordinator at the time, and she said something to me that very first year about leadership. I think that kind of sat in the back of my mind all those years. It wasn't how I saw myself at all. I went through the interview process, now back to Big Lake. Nan offered me a position. I had to take an entire weekend to think about, is it really time? Am I ready? And is this really what I want? Because I love teaching so much. But I'm glad that I made the decision to do it while I loved teaching so much. I, I hope that I always would have. But I can kind of live with that kind of beautiful memories of what that work was and just appreciate that time. What drew you to special ed originally? So I always wanted to teach elementary education. My senior year of high school, I had some time in my schedule to do some tutoring. They had an opportunity to do peer tutoring. And when I signed up, they said, well, we don't, we have everybody, everybody matched up with a tutor. And so we don't have anyone, but you could go in the LD classroom. You could work with a special ed teacher. And to be honest, I didn't really know what that was or what that was about. It wasn't, I feel like I instantly fell in love with it. I remember talking to that teacher. I remember her saying, there's a lot of paperwork and kind of some of those hesitations too. But she really loved her work, I could tell. And I loved coming in and saying, well, what if we tried this? Or what if we did this? And it was a creative place to be. Really fulfilled some things that are fun for me. I love to be able to be creative. And so it just was an instant, this is the kind of teaching I want to do. Totally changed my path. I still got my general ed license alongside of it. I went to Bemidji State University and they ask you to do both of those. So I minored in special ed and then finished my special ed license, which was really valuable, I think. But yeah, that's kind of kind of came into the teaching part of it. Always loved it. Then went into that coordinating role loved that, was really challenged by it, but really found it invigorating to learn and develop. And I actually feel like 
that leadership role has been fun to like develop as a person too because you have to self-reflect you have to examine why maybe didn't this go well or how can we do this differently and how can I be an influencer in that that was personally rewarding to examine who you are as a person and who you want to show up as and Nan was good at that as a leader to develop us as leaders to say okay how are we going to reflect maybe doing journaling or activities or perspective taking and things like that and it was awesome is there a difference in the skills you use and need as a teacher and those you use as a leader I think about this with our special ed teachers in terms of leadership. A lot of things are the same. It's a different scale that you're looking at. So when I think about a a special ed educator, I actually think that in order to be able to create individualized situations for students where they can make meaningful progress, to facilitate meetings that can be sometimes challenging, to be able to listen to perspectives while having your own perspectives in those types of scenarios requires a lot of leadership skills already. It's just not necessarily always named that way. When I think about a leadership role, my interest in that was more about, like I said, I loved what I was doing in my classroom, but I wanted to have more of an ability to influence a a larger scale. What I've learned and I, I don't know, I think I've heard other leaders say this as well, is that you're an achiever, you're trying to accomplish things. And I've learned that you know, when you're in your classroom and you're influencing that setting, that's somewhat more in your control to a degree. You want to come in as a leader and say, here's the things that we can accomplish, here's the things that we can do. And you have to kind of realize you can step back and be more of a facilitator and build synergy with people so the great ideas everybody else is having can collectively come together to create something better. So you kind of shift your focus to a larger group of people and helping them hopefully to discover their gifts and what they have to offer and a bigger outcome, more than just your your little space that you're in. And while that was super important, it's been really, it's been good to have to think about that in a different way. And everybody's different. All adults are different. And so how do we empower people and ways that they can be most effective for kids. Amy's constantly thinking about how to serve students and families. Plus, she tries to be proactive, looking for what the staff needs in order to feel skilled in their work. Always in the back of my mind thinking about what's another thing that we need to help people with. I want staff to feel their heads are high. They're feeling really good about the work that they do and capable and confident. Like it's meaningful. Some of those scenarios where if you're facilitating a difficult meeting, so much emotion goes into that. As I was thinking about, you know, what do staff need? It got me thinking about professional development again, and it's always in the back of your mind. But that's the thing that kind of rose to the top for me. How to work with staff on communication, facilitation, kind of managing that high stakes kind of environment. As a facilitator, it doesn't go without your own emotions. And you're faced with the place that all the others at the table are coming to you at. And we can't even predict that. I have know the unexpectedness of emotions from a really personal level, too. That's been a good reflection for me, too, to just to see that. I feel like I'm pretty emotionally stable, but I don't know what to expect of how I'm going to feel. And I think how difficult is that for the staff around the table to navigate when, how are we supposed to know 
what people are coming to us with and honor that and feel safe and be able to present in a way that's you know, good, for, good for the students' emotions aside. What do you see as one of the biggest issues currently? I think it would probably be go without saying, but the financial side of special ed is always really challenging. It's complicated. As a director wanting to be a good financial, fiscal agent of that, what we have and how we can understand what we have and how it all works together and using our resources in the best way that we can, that's going to just be an ongoing difficulty in our, in our work. Right now, it's just so complicated. We know that academics are hard to think about for students when they have personal issues or disabilities. We also know that students experiencing stress or having autism or having experienced trauma or displaying mental health issues or experiencing gender confusion or any other life stressor are additional complications for those students as they try to learn academic content. How are you and your staff approaching this? Special ed aside, I think those are things we are considering in our schools in lots of areas. And so I, when I think about, let's say, autism or mental health, especially the mental health side of things, I think autism may be figuring some of those pieces out, but it's still challenging and, and it's created some other ways to look at how to support students. The mental health component, that gets really challenging because of some of the ways that that manifests in a school setting, staff feeling prepared to deal with that, and also how to self-care when you're faced with such significant issues on a daily basis. And that can be in any any category of need. It requires some the brainstorming and problem-solving types of conversations, just a systematic district-wide look at what are the concerns that are coming our way and how can we address these? What supports do we already have? We've had some conversations about what are the systems of support already available and how can we proactively look at how to use those supports. We have a social-emotional program specialist in our district who does work with programs more proactively to try to develop ways that staff can support students' mental health, social-emotional needs all the time embedded in, in the work that they're doing, and so that's helpful. But some of those types of positions come out of that, how are we going to meet this need? So it poses a challenge, but then we try to address it in a way that is going to be a positive outcome within that challenge. Regular education and special education are two components of a whole. How do regular ed, which is a discriminatory term when you think about it, and special ed, also discriminatory, work together in your setting? I'm going to take this from like more of a district look first and then kind of talk about what I hear in our buildings too. One of the things that excites me the most in this district is that there is a true and genuine, really genuine interest in considering all. Whether you're looking at students with disabilities or any other kinds of differences, uniquenesses. And so it's been a very integral part of the work that, like I said, Pam Miller, a director of teaching and learning, has worked on. So she has been an incredible leader in opening up that conversation, talking with all staff, collectively, professional development of our own culturally responsive teaching, and then the, the work she's doing with, with college and career readiness. She has provided just an avenue for all 
of us to talk together and, and have a voice in that. And what I feel like is exciting is that I'm always included in those discussions. And then the conversations I feel like the administrative team is having is genuine interest consideration and learning and wanting to know ways to really make this about all kids and not just a thing we say. Mm-hmm. Then from there, when I think about what's happening in our buildings, this training I mentioned, cult- culturally relevant teaching, was a training that staff had 12 hours of this fall. Mm-hmm. And I've heard so many people reference back to that in our special ed world about the conversations that's opened up for them with general ed teachers. That's really exciting. I know that there are times where sometimes just by the nature of how students become identified for services, it kind of can feel like we're having these concerns, here's a resource that we have, and it's always from good intention. It's always because we want the best for our students to that resource, and I think sometimes general ed teachers look to that resource as the the answer to that, and then we try to work through how do we be collaborative so it doesn't feel like two separate things, but one thing that I've recently thought about is that, like I said, just by nature of how you qualify for services, it kind of gives that impression that now you're going to receive the service, so it's something more beyond me, what can what needs to be done for this student, and so then how do you kind of come back to us together working on behalf of the student? For all, people really strive for that, but I think there's some challenges just within how it all operates. Because as a structure, it's built upon a model where students must exhibit some lack or difficulty, special education unintentionally creates a deficit culture built upon constant catch-up or fixing. Karen Seashore, a retired professor at the University of Minnesota, co-authored a book, Positive School Leadership, which focused on the power of a positive leader in culture on learning. Amy demonstrates that attitude and that focus, which is a living example of what is described in that book. When asked what she'd like to see to improve, her response integrated several potent strands. One, that the work involves systems, relationships, and collaboration, which must work together to create positive outcomes. Plus, she emphasized a pedagogical focus designed to provide support, ideas, and training to work for what's best for students and staff. Listen for her idea about big beliefs. We're really working hard on having a system for developing our programs that I'm sure you've heard there's the high leverage practices and there's some good information out there about research-based ways to provide instruction and support. Oftentimes our special ed professionals are kind of individually kind of figuring out what to do in their setting. I'd love to see just a really strong system for bringing to life the evidence-based practices that we are ensuring kids are getting quality practices and then also that it's overlaps with general ed being part of all our district teams it's become apparent to me that so many of those things do overlap really well but we don't always do the best job of bringing that to light so when i think about district's instructional framework and our strategic vision and how we evaluate teachers and all the things that we have you know, how do those all overlap so we can see that what's good teaching, what's going to make the biggest impact for our students. So I just think the, the big thing is that focus on outcomes. I love that we're talking about that in special ed. A lot of it comes to possibility and, and our beliefs. If I could choose something, it would be that 
everyone who works with a student who has any unique needs would have a limitless belief. You know, because I feel like that's a starting point. If you have a big belief in a student, you're going to act in a big way and get a bigger result. I just would want all staff working with kids and all administrators, anyone who's in that work, to be able to look at students and not, like you said, the deficit model, not see that as the first challenge, but more of a that creative potential to say, how am I going to see more in this student than maybe than the, than the average person would see? Because then more is going to happen, right? Districts, because of schedules, special ed staff are drawn away to different professional development than their general ed counterparts. And therefore, sometimes they miss important trainings on such things as new curricula. How do you deal with that in Buffalo, Hanover, Montrose? It's been a real balance. We have always first tried to keep everybody in the training. I think of our back to school week. There's always a time where we try to find a little chunk of time where we can do some special ed specific updates and work around that. But here, what I've felt is that it's been, first, we're going to look at having everybody part of these trainings. It's good. I think our principals see it that way as well, because like when they're doing professional development in their building, they're wanting everyone to be a part of that. The conversations that we have when we're talking about what should our vision in special ed be, what should we be striving for, from a principal's perspective, which is really fun to hear, is that they're saying it should be the same goal as it is for all kids in talking about that growth and independence, and it's just looking at that maybe a little differently. But I do think there's a strong belief that everybody should be part of those. One of the issues that's talked about more than it ever used to be is the increasing occurrence of mental health issues. All teachers have to have a very general awareness of some of these issues, but how does this affect the special education staff? It seems like we need to be thinking about our systems of support across the board, and it's more about looking at the bigger system. We're not medical facilities. One of the things I had a social worker recently say about their role in supporting students with mental health needs and saying, you know, what's our role in an educational setting versus our role in a medical setting, and if we try to do a little too much of the medical setting type service, we might be doing more harm than good because we're only able to scratch the surface. And so we'd have to thoughtfully consider if whatever was put into place would it address the need or not. I've heard from many of that our school populations are changing in many ways. We seem to have more issues to address, and we have more students who present with even more challenging needs than ever before. Do you see a change in what schools are actually experiencing? I certainly hear from teachers that have been in the profession for a while that they definitely feel a shift in the, in the population of needs. That's challenging. That's probably where that conversation about what's the, this, how's the entire system going to support students comes up because it isn't an isolated scenario where if you had a person in this setting who could address it, it's some are we trauma aware and responsive and aware of how to help students regulate when they are having big reactions to things. What kind of support would you want from your superintendent or need from your superintendent? The ability to have open conversations and be able to kind of share the situations that are going on within kind of that open dialogue, I guess. I, I feel really lucky. Dr. Tillman's really a great superintendent to work for. We are able to have one-on-one meetings and really talk through any scenarios that are going on. So I, it could be a lonely job to be a special ed director, and you're, if you're not able to 
have those pathways to have other people to bounce those thoughts off of and it's helpful I think to be able to to work with that way also the ability to superintendent offering the ability to be autonomous so that you can really dig into the systems that need to be explored and work on those areas of passion that we all have well that is about good things happening for kids and so being able to place focus on that and being supportive of that is important to have from superintendents having a superintendent open to hearing about the challenges that are we're faced with in special ed and being an ear for that and understanding of that and aware of having an awareness of what special ed the bigger picture of some of the things that we're faced with in special ed is helpful how could the state department be more supportive and helpful to special education even thinking about training of teachers and training of administrators, coaching and all the things that happen, if we could find a way for those to all overlap with each other. There's so much power in the collective effort. Mm -hmm. We talked as a regional group recently about things that we want to talk about in some of our regional meetings and that's something that I brought up is like if we can talk about what are each of us doing in our programs to help grow those programs, make them more effective, we're going to just move farther and faster than we ever can any one of us alone in our organization. So there was a way that MDE could bring us together in those conversations, support that development. It would be super exciting. What would you wish for the future? I'd like to look back at, at my career someday and be able to say that the work in our field has been about accomplishing more than we even expected today. You look at all that we did, look at all that's changed, look at what's happening for kids. That to me, the, the power of the work that we're doing is so tremendously impactful to entire families. I don't know that we always think about how big that is, but when we're looking at the difference between accomplishing whatever that may be in a year, but if we're looking at what an outcome is for a student over their entire school career, the trajectory for them could be so different depending on how what, and what we give to them and how we approach their outcomes and, and how big we believe in what they can do because it can be the, mean the difference of living supported or living independent. Things like that are that impactful to an entire family because they make the decisions of life really challenging. Amy's positive attitude came through once again as we closed the interview. We're doing really important work in our schools. It's enough to bring you to tears. What was evident in this interview with Amy was her recognition that relationships are important in our work because the synergy of empowering others, listening to differing viewpoints, and collaborating are key to creating good outcomes for our students, whether they are receiving special education services or are AP scholars. Such process skills embedded in sound pedagogical practices will create good outcomes. It isn't about test scores, it's about learning. Amy and her team are working to change the conversation. This is Jane Sigford signing off. My email is jlsigford at comcast.net if you have comments or questions for me. Thanks for listening. I'll close with some of Amy's powerful words. If you have a big belief in a student, you're going to act in a big way and get a bigger result.